0: Ready? Yep. Trust your guide. Trust your guide. <laughs> Fish on.
1: Here we go, baby! Let's go, Keaton! Woohoo! Here we go, Keaton! Oh, baby! Bo-task! No! Oh, Keaton! That
0: was so cool! That's a big one! Okay. Nice jet! Snorch were so intimidating. Like, there there can't be another animal in North America that can make it sound remotely like that. No. But first, a word for our partners.
1: Alaska Rodco, Alaskan handmade rods.
0: National Wild Turkey Federation, South Sound Strutters, your conservation organization for Washington State Turkey populations and habitats.
1: Heather's Choice, healthy, flavorful, dehydrated meals for the backcountry. Use our discount code, the Young Guides 15, to save at checkout. Shell
0: Art Studio, original Alaskan focused art. Slay Jays,
1: it ain't all about the catching. You want me to do an intro? If you want to. All
0: right. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides podcast. Uh, today, Kyle and I are going to kind of just chat, talk about our hunting seasons. Um, the successes and the not six, su- the not so successful parts, and then um, we're gonna just kind of see where the wind takes us, and and we'll chat up. I figured this would be a good uh, episode to jump in and get us rolling into this year's podcasting season. So, we're uh really excited to be back behind the mics and talking to each other and to um future guests on our podcast so um yeah let's keep on rolling here kyle so kyle and i were talking about um doing some uh hunting on the yakima and we we're floating the other day and we saw mergansers and i was like kyle's like i would not shoot mergansers because they don't taste good but then i was saying i think you could turn about anything into pepperoni and um i don't know you you tell us if you've eaten mergansers send us a dm tell us the way you like to eat them but i think just it's just a filler right just throw it in the pepperoni
1: yeah you could just cut it in with any duck and then i don't know, throw some pork fat or something in there and yeah pepperoni sticks. but i um i've never shot them i've sh- um yeah, you can just do that. I know, like, kind of like you were saying, some people shoot them. I mean, they, they go towards your duck limit, but, you know, you're also, you know, getting rid of a bunch of fish-eaten, salmon-smold-eaten ducks. So I guess yep. in a way that could help, right? Yep, yep.
0: You you would hope, at least. And there's so many of them. Oh, I, there's, yeah. like, places I fish, and I swear you'll see, like, you know, you'll see the, the hen, and then she'll just have, like, 10, 15 babies behind her. And you're like, that's a lot of mergansers.
1: That's what willows like in the summertime, and in the spring, all those mergansers are eating all those salmon smolt headed down, our salmon fry headed down river. So, yeah,
0: it's one of the many things in our uh, salmon decline. So,
1: but Shoot. let's not go down that path. Shoot a diver, save a fish. Ooh, that'd be a good t-shirt. Ooh, oh man. Shoot him or merganser, save a salmon.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that would go over well down here.
1: Probably. Well, yeah, we've been kind of MIA. We released a couple episodes this fall, and obviously missed some of the summer. But Keaton and I were really busy with guiding and then work and um, <clears throat> hunting trips. It's just been there's been a lot going on, and so we haven't been keeping you guys super updated and haven't really had a lot of time. Keaton's had a schedule change. So yeah. um, we're finally kind of getting back to you now. Yeah.
0: I'll kind of dive in a little bit on my schedule change. Cause that, that's a big change to, you know, where I was to where I am now. Um If you have, if you listen, you have fished with me in the past, I'll still be doing a little bit of guiding, um but I took a new uh, job little better fitting, a little more towards adulting. So I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, my schedule is not as free as it once was when I was working at the school, you know, having summers off and stuff. But now I don't have that. But I'm still going to do some guiding on the weekends. And um, I'm still putting on all my fly tying classes. And I got a few seminars that I'm lining up, um, which will be pretty exciting. Um, But, yeah, I mean – you hit a selective path, fitting path, and I'm really excited with this opportunity that I got, and uh, it'll hopefully give me more room to do um, to do better things for not only our podcast, but the fishing community and um, just kind of better my life all around. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to slow me down a little bit. So if you have done out with me in the past, we, my schedule will be more selective on when I guide and when I go out fishing,
1: but yeah, yeah I'm super stoked for you that you are able to you know change that up and hopefully that'll be for the better and yeah, super stoked,
0: but yeah, it's, it's been good. A little change my first week last this week you know happy thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates um that's been good and i feel like an easy way to slide into the new position um i mean it this last last few months have been super busy for me and you i think you know if i'm not out hunting or trying to hunt or fishing you were out hunting or fishing and if if not that we were both out hunting and fishing so getting a getting the schedule to line up to podcasts it's finally coming together since we're slowing down but we knew that from the start when we started doing this podcast huh kyle yep totally
1: so. well unlike today we were supposed to podcast a while ago but i was on the lake fishing this morning and the guy i was with dropped his phone down the hole so we spent like an hour trying to fish his phone off the bottom of the lake we didn't never got it back but you that know, like, sucks just not nah, things happen but it, it definitely sucks. He's like, well, I guess it gives me an excuse to get a 15.
0: <laughs> quality pictures.
1: Quality photos. Uh, you know, honestly, I got an iPhone for photos and for especially for like airdropping between my computer and my phone or other people's iPhones. Yeah. Quite honestly, some of those, you know, Androids or like Galaxies or those Samsung phones take even better photos than the iPhone do i know there's some super quality photos that i've been seeing lately off of some of those people i'm like oh did you shoot that with a dslr like no just shot it with my samsung i'm like damn that's a good good quality photo yeah that's crazy so Kyle, what's what's been new
0: with you lately what's uh you've been doing a little hunting doing a little fishing Mm -hmm. what what's this uh last few months look like how was your guide season
1: guide season was good um busiest guide season i've ever had we went uh up until the middle of october shane and i the last two trips that we ran uh we ran together as a group and um then i pretty much went back to heather's choice and i've been there ever since um been working picking up extra hours and and working as much there as we can making product and um Let's see, that was middle of October. Don't think I did. We did a couple uh, bear hunts. Emily and I did. Um, shot some grouse. Um, I had a, a knee injury that kind of affected me for a while. Made it hard to do a lot of hiking around. An IT man issue. Got that figured out. Went down to a wedding in Utah for a couple days. And then saw family in Washington. And then came back working working and um then i had a a big hunt i won't i won't go into too much detail quite yet we do have some episodes recorded you know in the field during that hunt we want to release and you know try to do some other stuff with some of that content before we bring it on here but um uh it was a it was a good hunt multi-day uh deer hunt um in the in the rut up here in Alaska um you yeah. know we shot we all shot deer and uh you know logistically I, I'd love to get into the logistics of the hunt I'd love to talk about more about it but I'm gonna hold off for now um uh, but a lot happened weather wise hunting wise it was it was a pretty crazy trip we could probably cover several episodes just on that and then kind of planning for the future so um, that took up a lot of my planning and a lot of my time. I was gone for almost a week. And um, yeah, so that, that once we got back from that, it's been processing deer. Um, every night I've been boiling uh, the deer skull and then trying to work, turn that into my own Euro. About well, two of them. I got to do two Euros. And then we're ice fishing season, baby. Last two days I've been on the ice, um, just fishing around in Anchorage. And I got a new ice shelter and um, yeah, I've been playing around with that. Fished a lake yesterday that I probably spend most of my time on every year. Caught some rainbows, nothing crazy. Went to another lake today, caught some, you know, little stock salmon, one little trout. And in this lake that we went to today, they recently stocked like, I mean, it's not a huge lake. It's probably a three or four acre long lake but they did Mm -hmm. put, they put 70 char in there that averaged 21 inches. So, yeah, so I was trying, and last year in that same lake, I caught one that was like 17, 18. So I was really trying to find those today, um, but we never never got anything big. It was mostly small fish, but it's really cool right now with those, with the salmon, they'll they'll school up and we're in 12 feet of water, super clear, especially with all the windows closed in the ice hut. And uh, we were sight fishing to those salmon, like you drop it down four or five feet and you just jigging it up and down and you'd have like whole schools of salmon swimming around. You could literally sight fish. You wouldn't even feel them bite. You could just see the fly go in their mouth and set that hook and pull them up. It was pretty fun Uh, until we dropped the phone in the hole. And then we spent the last hour trying to do that. (laughs) Oh, um, that sucks. Yeah, it does. It was I, it just happened. And so I had like the a rod and reel and line in my hand. And I just watched him go like drop it in. And he went for it. And I kind of like lurched. and was like, uh, and we just watched that thing go whoosh, whoosh, right down to the bottom. We could see it on the bottom, but, oh man, it sucked. We drilled multiple holes and tried to snag it and scoop it up. And we just, we couldn't get it. But, um, when I mean, it
0: felt I- did it kind of feather down or did it just sink?
1: um i didn't really see it once it went down the hole it kind of uh-huh. angled uh, under the ice so I, I didn't actually see how it went down yeah. but my guess is it probably just kind of fluttered down <laughs> um yeah that sucks i've seen that ha- I've, I've heard of it happening i've seen other people's post about it but i've never actually been a part of it so i like your idea keaton We need to make a floating iphone case or just a floating phone case in general or put one of those like um You need
0: to get one of those like boat key. Yeah. Yeah. And put it on the corner. So if they fall in, it just sits, you know, I, I don't know if the like boat key buoy or whatever it's called would hold your iPhone up. The iPhone might be too heavy, but.
1: Well, you know, if we'd had something like that attached to it, it would at least slow it down. It it would slow it down, but it would at least float up so you could always hook it with something.
0: Oh, that is true. That is true. I'm maybe I'm looking we... at
1: my phone right now. You could probably like slide it in right here where your charging port is. Yeah, and would we'll just it would probably just sit straight up like that.
0: Dang, maybe we shouldn't release that. We're on a billion dollar idea right there.
1: There you go. I'm wrong. I'm actually I think uh maybe this evening I'll go buy one of those uh, boat key floaters and, and put that on my phone because I'm gonna be ice fishing the next couple of days, so it'll be nice. That, that,
0: they do have floating waterproof cases
1: really for an iPhone
0: yeah for, uh, for 40 bucks on Amazon yeah yeah this is a there's a bunch of them it's a thick phone case so
1: that looks that looks super thick yeah, do you, not... you have phone pouches like those the waterproof ones mm-hmm. and that are floating that might be better honestly. Yeah, you could put it in that. Yeah. Well, they make those where they're, like, tethered to you, too, so that would be nice. You could have, like, a retractable tether. That might even be better.
0: Yeah, you almost need something, so... You, you know, you're... I've, like, I've never personally ice-fished, but when I watch videos, right, I see these guys, they're they're pulling out their phones in the, you know, in the shack and stuff, and it's only... It doesn't look like a big hole. What is it, like, six inches around, or... Or, yeah,
1: eight, or, eight to ten, depending on what odds ten. you have. But
0: you're like looking at that, and you're like, "How? What are the chances?" But you, you know, these guys will drop their phones. They will hit the ice, and it'll just slide right towards. It's probably because you're pulling when you're pulling fish in. Waters getting up on the ice or something makes it slippery. I I don't know though, but it's it's always amazing to watch people drop their phones. I watched one guy go right down his leg, and it like went
1: off his foot and right into the hole. I was like, that sucks. Yeah, it ain't cheap. I told him at least you lost your phone on Black Friday. Maybe you can go to the farm store and get a deal. <laughs> it was meant to be, I guess so. But yeah, oh to be ice fishing. I'm gonna do some pike fishing tomorrow through the ice, Um and then go fish some other lakes the next. Well, I've never, and then yeah, fish some lakes the next day that I've never fished before. So yeah, that'll be exciting. I don't. The place that Keaton and I went and pike fish, I don't think I'm going to ice fish there because that'd be a hell of a long walk. (laughs) All the way out to the other side. Yeah, it took forever just to row there. I can't imagine dragging a sled across. I don't even know if that lake would be frozen. It's a pretty deep lake. Yeah. Then right where you and I fished is, you know, moving water. So I don't even know if that's going to be frozen super well. I I wouldn't want to take Emily out there quite yet. The lake yesterday, did it? Today's lake had like eight to ten inches of ice already. The other lake I was on yesterday had like five, so. A little nerve-wracking. Yeah, five, I mean, five is plenty. You can drive a vehicle on it like six, but. Oh, crazy. I don't know what moving water or springs would do to it. You know, one thing you could probably do, we could probably go to that lake that you and I fished and just fish, you know, like really close to where the boat ramp is and just fish along the edges of it. We could probably find some pike.
0: You could probably go right off the boat launch because it was pretty deep right off the edge of the boat launch there. I mean, and it had a nice drop off and a shelf.
1: Well, the thing is, is you don't want to fish uh, in in ice fishing. You don't want to fish super deep water unless you're fishing for like, you know, um, lake trout or something. Mm-hmm. but a lot of these fish don't actually like deeper water because you have less oxygen. So they like to be in that shallower water. Yeah. Uh, I, I had some of my best fishing yesterday in four feet of water, you know, six, six inches of ice. Um, so, and, and for pike, pike aren't going to be really deep either. Like where you and I were fishing for pike was like six feet deep or less. So I'm, I'm zooming in on this lake that we fished. Let me zoom in here.
0: Right off to the right, you know, kind of there was that little like cove. You probably could walk out right there and fish in that little cove.
1: So I just brought up the bathymetric map of that lake and it's saying. So, oh, what happened? It's saying that um, in that little bay, kind of like right where the boat launch is, it's like a really nice long flat. And this is something I want to get into to redo a whole episode on this eventually. Is Alaska's like uh, map database? like i'll I'll show you here, Keaton. I have I just put a shortcut on my phone. You pull it up and there's literally a pin of the whole state pins of all the lakes that they've stocked or have stocked. I can zoom in on this lake that uh, Keaton and I fished. Look at all these pins from either places they have stocked or previously stocked. I'll click on that lake, pops up general lake information. We can have access. It'll break down, you know, exactly where it is, latitude and longitude. And it'll talk to you, like, directions on how to publicly access the lake. There's a lot of ways that I've looked at this that has actually shown me, like, if there's a bunch of private houses around it, the easements to get to the lake. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it'll give you, like, you know, stocking reports if they've stocked it in the past, give you lake characteristics like this one says in the past five years, northern pike have been more numerous with fish up to 36 inches being caught. So it'll tell you a lot of that. The most important thing it tells you, though, is a bathymetric map. Some of them are literally hand-drawn maps, but some of them like this is like a full-on, like, full-on wow. heavy, like, I don't know what, what they use, like, USG. Like a thermal. <laughs> yeah, oh, biobase.com is what, it, is what it has, biobasemaps.com. But, like. You can see with this lake, like here, here is the put in. This is just Ooh. a big old flat. And then it kind of works down. It looks like it goes from you know two feet of water. And then wow, why does it keep every time I zoom in or out, it keeps. I'm just gonna screenshot it. But uh it looks like it's a big old flat that goes down to some deeper water. And um, you know, that deeper water is not necessarily where the pike are gonna be. There's not a ton of other fish in there that they have besides you know, pike and a few trout that were probably still left in there. But um, yeah, I'm going to be looking more for these flats probably work my way along the edge. So there's some of those deeper drop offs. I'm not necessarily fine would think I find fish, but you know, you could probably probably walk in the boat launch there. And then it's closer to go to this side, like in this cove mm-hmm. instead of all the way over here. And if you go there, you could just walk right along the edge and I'm sure this is frozen. Right along the edge. Maybe Emily and I will do that tomorrow. Is just walk around that point and walk back along the edge of the lake to some of those coves. You'd be a lot less likely to fall in, I would think. Yeah. So. It's,
0: is it weird, like when you're walking near the edge and there's like a dock? Yeah. You, you're like, what the heck? Yeah. Can you see
1: the docks? Oh, yeah. Most of the time, unless there's too much snow, but yeah, usually the docks are sticking out of the ice.
0: Yeah. Just froze you, but you have to step around them right how does how does the laws work
1: i mean as, as long as you access you know just like any like high water kind of deal if you access publicly as long as you stay below the high water mark you can walk anywhere in the lake so oh, you, you could just literally pull up right next to a somebody's dock and just punch a hole right off their dock <laughs> so yeah it um we might try that. Like there's a couple other lakes that I've entered in that area that I've caught pike that we might go check out. It's all, it's all how much you want to walk. A lot of those lakes are easier to access. If you have a snow machine, it might be like a two minute snow machine ride, but it would be a hour long drag without it. You know? Yeah. There's other lakes in there that I think we might check out. Um, yeah. Just go have some fun and uh, you know, do our part for, whacking some pike i know that uh you ate some of that pike keaton how did how did that turn out for you so you caught Dude, that
0: that fish was actually so good like it, it's a lot of work i mean we we're doing it in between the salmon we had and we were cleaning them out and uh it takes a little bit of work but um it was actually really good fish a lot of good reviews on it too um because i took it to like a an event and I served it to people, and they they said that with like I did a I did it in Louisiana fish fry, and then a little uh little flour, little eggs, little milk, and then dipped it in the fish fry, and then just some hot olive oil, and kind of fried it like a little nugget. And uh, a lot of people said if you didn't tell them that it was fish, they would think it's like a chicken nugget. And so it, it had really good flavor. I didn't think they were. It's not like a, it's not a fish that has like a ton of like fishy flavor to it but um it had a really good texture to it and it it tasted really good so i was i was telling kyle i was like if i come back up there i'm gonna start head hunting some pike because i want to take some of that back it was good and i i think up there i mean you don't you guys don't have like pollution and stuff so it was like really clean good tasting and we did our part to help salmon and trout you know, I'll, I'd do it again.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. The, uh, there's, I mean, there's in this part of the state, you know, there's no limit, you know, live release is prohibited. So you got to kill them anyway. Yeah. It does take a while to to clean them, to get the bones out, but you you didn't have any bones in yours, right? Mm -mm,
0: No, I just chopped. I just pulled them out. And then I diced them up into cubes and you can, I made a post on our Instagram uh the young guides podcast instagram if you don't follow us give us a follow um and then you can go down and i i brought a little recipe out on what i use uh down below and then i sh- kind of the steps i did um but yeah they turned out good don't don't fry them too long because you don't want to burn them but just until they're like golden brown and it's a white fish it didn't take very long to to cook them so it was good though yeah
1: yeah and there's a lot of videos I watched on YouTube on how to clean them, but it's basically you don't want the Y-bones because they're just super bony fish. And it's basically flaying it like you would say a bass or a walleye or something. And then you're basically cutting down the middle and then kind of like it's almost like taking a back strap off of the back of the the filet and then like the belly meat below where the ribs were on the bottom of the filet. So you leave a lot of meat on the carcass kind of, but you're not getting all those giant white bones. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that way you can cook them like you would any other kind of fish or whatever and dip them in your, your sauce or fry them or however you want to do it. Pickle them, whatever. If you pickle them, you don't even really need to do that. The bones will dissolve, but it's, it's really oh, interesting. Oh, go
0: ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm a huge like pasta fan. And I I really think if you cubed it up and then kind of round them up and throw them in with like a good white sauce and some pasta, like it'd be excellent. Like it really, and I, from the fish that I ate, it really did not have like a gamey fish flavor to it. Like I know sometimes those, those fish can have like a, you know, like a potent kind of white fish flavor, but no, it was good. It was outstanding.
1: Those fillets I noticed are very like, they're very thick, but they're also like super yellow, and they're they're pretty firm. I thought too. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a like a saltwater fish kind of firm. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, hundred percent. Like it wasn't like a. I could see maybe if it got like, um, really warm, it might lose that firmness to them. But the time of year we were catching them, they're cold, and then we flayed them and froze them, flash frozen, and it. Yeah, they. It turned out I pulled them out weren't slimy nothing it was it was great and i think that that back strap piece that you kind of talked about mm-hmm. on the back was like one of the better part of your chunk pieces when i you know when i'm dicing them up um kind of down below it's a little flatter piece of meat but yeah it was it was great
1: yeah i think honestly since they do want you to kill them you could probably just flay him and take that strap piece off and not even worry about the rest. It's such a pain in the butt. But, I mean, yeah. it's got to be a decent-sized pike, too. You, you can't really do that with anything under, like, 14 inches. Otherwise, you're not getting enough meat off. And no. they want you to kill them anyway, so... Do you, do you not use them?
0: And just to add on, we're kind of encouraging... <laughs> I mean we're we're encouraging to go out and do it. It's awesome and it's it's good for the sand, you know, helping the salmon and the trout, but they are a, a really fun fish to fish after. We're throwing streamers for them uh up in June and you would throw this you're almost like sight fishing in some way and we we would find them, see where they're like eating, you know, bugs like the one that I first sight fished um came up and like it looked like it ate some type of uh like bug on top of the water and it came out and ate it. And then, so I threw the streamer at it and we started stripping it back. And that fish it's, they're so weird because they charge at the streamer and they'll, they'll just stop. And then you'll just kind of do some slow strips they'll charge and then stop. You know, they're not like a, I thought I was telling Kyle how weird I thought it was. It's not like any fish I've gone after, you know, they, they really, it, it's insane i can't even describe it but when you when you're stripping it back they literally just stop you think like when they're because they're darting after it they they take off and kind of flutter after it and then they stop like dead stop there's no like little glide or anything it's insane um and i could see how they can be uh an apex predator to some of our uh smaller salmon smolt and you know and trout and it, cause they they're quick, they'll go out, they'll grab it, then they'll just stop and go back and wait to ambush again. but yeah, you know you're stripping that streamer back, they're coming after it, they hit it, and then they'll stop, and they'll hit you know, kind of come after it and then they'll just grab onto it and they put on a good fight. It was a it's a different type of fight, but the only way you're gonna really find out is you got to go out and do it, but I would say one of the funner fish to to fish for up in Alaska,
1: yeah. I totally agree. It was, it's so weird. They do like a hover, like, like they'll chase it. And then like you said, when they stop, they're just, you can just see like their, their fins just kind of like hovering and like, you can see it in their face. They're like thinking about eating it. And then you make it one more strip or you just let it sit long enough. And they will go, man, just like dive into it and just suck it up. Yeah. That that first one that you hooked, I I believe it was the first one actually on the hook set bit that fly off.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt it take. I could feel it starting to go. And then I as soon as I went to hook up with it, it just popped right out. And you I think the wire leaders the way to go that you have on there. We we did a really thick mono or uh or a floro and uh I mean I was using what, like 25. I think I was using twenty five mm-hmm. and we thought it'd be good, but they're they got some sharp teeth to them and Mm-hmm. They when they want something they get it. so
1: yeah yeah that was 25 pound you know Maxima and that uh, literally that pike just bit right through it
0: it's it's not like um when you break off either like it is literally bitten through. when we got it back it was flat mm-hmm. like it looked like someone took a knife and cut it. it's yeah. it's the weird they're the weirdest fish but if you're gonna do it, wire get a wire leader. Um, I think we were throwing sparkle minnows, right, Kyle? Like a, I tried a dolly a little bit, but I don't think they really took the dolly. I think the the gold and and green, or the white and um, kind of that white silverish stock, um, sparkle minnow worked the best for them.
1: Yeah, a lot of those fish in that particular lake were eating sticklebacks, so they were looking for those small bait fish imitations. Yeah. That's what they're really keying in on, but yeah, the, the wire, I fished a couple different types of wire leader. I fished one that was like, uh, uh, well, I can't remember what the one of them was, but the one that I liked the most, I believe was the Orvis tapered leader. Mm -hmm. And it was like an intermediate, like clear sinking tip. And then the last, you know, eight inches was a wire leader. That one really turned over well. I, I did that a lot with my um Alaska Rodco Anadromus uh nine foot seven. Oh man, the way that thing just lays out on the water is perfect. I, I love the way it casted and it was super easy. You know, you're trying to fish a little bit deeper anyway. So you just put that that tip tip it basically onto your fly line and you're not fishing deep. So it's not like you need a full sinking line. It's perfect for when you're fishing, you know, up to 10, 12 feet deep. It's just enough to sink down towards the bottom and then strip it back away from the weeds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that was a fun time.
1: Yeah. That was super cool. And and if you guys want to like see kind of what we're talking about, um, fly fish, Dan and I did a video at the exact same spot. And uh, you can see in the video exactly what Keaton and I are talking about where we're casting, you know, sight fishing, basically casting towards the bank and then stripping these streamers back and um, Dan did a really good job of putting a video together that really kind of captured that. Cause when, when he was up here in Alaska, uh, we were going to, you know, fish for trout where I usually guide, but the rivers were blown. I was like, Hey Dan, let's go check out this pike spot. I I've been looking at, I've never done it before. And when Dan and I went, that was the first time I'd ever tried it. And, you know, we had a lot of success, went out with Keaton. We had success. I went out with another client and it was, it was slower, um, it's, it's interesting how the things change. I don't know if, cause we're killing them all, if they're not like repopulating that spot very quickly or, or if other people are going out there and killing them before more move in, which doesn't really matter. Cause we got to kill them anyway. But that one time that we went and I took a client there, the last time I was there, we caught like a, almost a 30 inch pike out of that, that same spot. So, yeah, and it was cool because that, that guy's fished all over the world and that was his first pike. So that was kind of cool to be a part of.
0: I haven't looked at it. Um, but I was gonna say that Flyfish Dan um is now asking for people to uh subscribe by payment on his YouTube channel now, which is I mean I'm happy for Dan. Um so I don't know if the I haven't gone on to the YouTube channel to see if the videos that he posted previously are um if they're they're still out in the public or if you have to pay to watch, but even if you have to pay a couple of bucks it's worth it cuz Dan's a, a guy full of knowledge and i mean he's got all types of videos all over the place and it's super helpful so if you if you got to check it out spend a couple bucks and you can go i have a video with flyfish Dan and so does Kyle but uh yeah good time so
1: yeah i'm looking at his instagram or sorry, his youtube right now and you know i don't i, I can still you know, log in and, and watch his videos. I'm I'm going back and looking for the, the one that he and I did. Yeah, it's still up there. And um, it says, I had to kill everyone I caught. What? Fly fishing. And it's like a, a nine-minute video of us uh, pike fishing. And yeah. uh, Dan's grown a lot. I remember when he went out with me, we he had like around 30,000 subscribers. Right now, he's at 50.2. So just you know, over the summer, he's gained another 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. So we're, we're super, yeah,
0: uh, crazy. Yeah. He's, he I'm, looks- I'm happy for Dan. So.
1: Yeah. I'd love to get him back uh-huh. up and do some more trips with him too. Yeah.
0: So I know we've been kind of recapping here, Kyle, but what, what's been some of your, uh, your favorite times up in Alaska? What's what, you know, just chat a little bit about how, how's it been? How was the guide season? I mean, you, you worked a lot. <laughs> I, we, we chat in between our guiding and see stayed busy. How, how did everything go?
1: Well, I I was guiding a little bit before you got up here, but I feel like once you got up here and you and I and Emily did like all we could in a week, like that was kind of our jumpstart to summer. And that was one of my, probably my favorite memory from the summer is that week that you and I were, were just doing everything that we could. We fished the Russian twice we fished, you know, Willow, what, three or four, three times, four times, something mm-hmm. like that. Um uh, you you rode with me and Shane in the boat a couple of guy days. Um you fished ship creek. We fish for pike. Uh we fish with jet. But also uh, we, we did so much.
0: I found out jet's related to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Paul, Paul, and and uh, Aaron just had their kid, so super. Oh, sure. that's, yeah.
0: I saw that. That was awesome. Congratulations, if Paul, if you're listening, yep, and For Aaron, sure. yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and um, that was kind of our jumpstart to summer because you and I, I know we talked a couple episodes on the about it when it was happening, but you know that day that you flew in, we went down to the Russian. We caught, we hiked in, and how many did we catch that first day? Like eleven or something. Just starting to figure it out.
0: Our, our first day, I think we got like 18. <laughs> and the limit, they bumped it up. What was it?
1: Uh, it was six apiece. I think we only caught 11 the first time. We caught 19 the second time.
0: Yeah.
1: I think we, we brought back 30 in total.
0: Well, it bumped because the second time we went up, I think it bumped up more because we we're a few shy of our limit. I think it was like... At one point, it got up to we 21 fish apiece, which was just insanity. Mm-hmm. And um, wasn't it something like that?
1: Well, they got up to six fish apiece was the highest. Yeah. So we could have kept, oh, no, it was nine. Yeah, it went but- up because
0: yeah. when I, I think that first day we went down, it's been, a, this is crazy. It's been a while june i mean that's what almost it's almost half a year ago yep uh but yeah it was we got off the plane went down went fishing never fished for sockeye you just got some advice from someone and we kind of went for it and we ended up finding you know hiking up and finding a decent spot to go in and uh everyone seemed really chill and it was a fun time and then we kind of got the idea where to be and once we got into that golden spot, I still think back, I was watching videos the other day of, we're just, you know, we're just standing up there and you're just watching, you know, fish would flood in, they get into the pocket to take a break and the fish would just stack up there. And then those fish would take off 30 minutes later and start going up. And then a new fresh flight of fish would come right in and, drop into that pocket and you just you know you just kept hitting them and we figured out a lot of stuff that week on how to fish them and how to approach them it it was pretty cool it was a fun time and we
1: filleted a lot of fish we did do a lot of flaying a lot of cleaning not a lot of sleep not a lot of sleep because let's see we we did that right and then we drove back that evening Mm -hmm. i think i guided the next day right yeah, we, f- we stayed up, flayed
0: fish until, mm-hmm. like, I want to say midnight or one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you're like, I got a guide, and we got to leave here at, like, what one time you usually leave there? Like, six, right? Mm-hmm. And then we got up. We went up. You went on guiding. I, I think I rode that trip with you guys. Mm-hmm. And we did that. And then we, we went and fished after. Then we drove back to Anchorage. Yep. And then... What did we do that? I think we went back down. Was that the Russian? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? We went back and fished the Russian because we, we knew where we wanted to go. So we got up early the next day to drive down to the Russian because we only had a, a certain amount of time to be down there. Then we got back, ate dinner, and then we were filleting fish and cleaning fish till with. Um,
1: well, we had to go to the AWP. We recorded with AWP boys.
0: Yeah, recorded with AWP, came back. Uh, and then that Cooper was in town that he came in and we're like, hey, Cooper, good job guiding. I know you just worked really hard. Now you're going to help us bag and fillet fish. And then I was outside filleting and making scrapes. And you and Cooper, one was cleaning, you know, kind of cleaning up the fish fillets. And then the other one was vacuum sealing. That was a hell of a night. And then we got up so you could go guide the next day. And I wrote on that one. And then we fished. Yeah. and then we went pike fishing, and then we, I like, I just remember a couple trips, and it all becomes a blur after that second time on the Russian, because, I mean, I swear, like, after that, it was just go, 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 Um, between your guide trips, and then we, I think we did a half day, and then me, you, and Jet, oh, no, that was a day off, me, you, and Jet went fishing, and we went for grayling, which was insane and fun, and then we went, we went out and fished on the willow and had a pretty outstanding day. That was like a good kickoff to the, the summer. Yeah. And then I flew home and then you were just on the go. Yeah. Which is a good.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. That one day, you know, we got, when Cooper rolled in, you know, we cleaned fish. I think I went back and guided you fish ship Creek that next day while I was gone. Right. Something like mm-hmm. that.
0: Yeah. I went out with Nina. That was fun. And I ended up hooking into a king. That was, This was insane, right? Because I was throwing a, a blue fox spinner for kings. And it wasn't looking too great on the horizon, I won't lie. And uh, so we decided to switch switch sides. The tide came in. And I threw a blue fox spinner out. And Nina started talking to me, so I left it. I kind of just reeled up a little bit of slack. Well, I'm talking to her, and I'm like, okay. And so I start reeling down. And then all of a sudden, I... This was on the Alaska rod that we bought. Remember, I mean, at at one point before we went down to fish for sockeye again, me and uh, Kyle here went and bought a $30 Walmart rod and we decided, huh?
1: It was a combo, just like $30 for rod real line.
0: Yeah. Like we're like, oh yeah, let's just get another rod to have when we go fish sockeye. So this became, it's becoming our staple for Alaska. So we went and bought it. We fished sockeye on it and then I fished and I hooked into a king on it. Um, I ended up fighting this king for like, mm, I think the video was like 10 or 15 minutes. And when I got it in, it had someone had hooked it in the side, like foul hooked it. And then uh, it was like a hook. And then like mm, about six inches of leader to a swivel and it broke at the swivel. So my, my hook off my, uh, my spinner hooked into the swivel and then I reeled this fish in and I was like, the people up top around Ship Creek were like, you need to buy a lottery ticket. And they you know, people it, people get serious down there. If you have not fished Ship Creek, it, it's serious business. People will call you out. They'll be like, That fish is not legal. Make sure you release it. And I I like one hundred percent knew my plan was I kept it all wet. I got a nice picture with it and let it go. But what an experience, right? I mean it that place the bait shack awesome dustin's awesome that fish shack is cranking man like people we were go- i went in to get a shirt and i think i stood there for like 10 or 15 minutes because dustin was like sweating running around trying to you know help all these people because people are renting gear um people are coming in to get you know guided and then just average joe's like me coming up to get a t-shirt and you know a blue fox spinner or whatever so i can go out and fish and ask questions but uh yeah awesome time up in alaska that was a crazy day and then we went out fishing that friday before i left and with me you and um um jet jet sorry sorry jet me you and jet and that was an awesome day. And Jets never center pin, And I swear by the end of the day, Jet was out fishing us on a center pin uh and our flies, which is another crazy experience, but Jet's fun. And we found out we're
1: cousins, you know. So
0: exactly was great.
1: Family reunion. Well, that was a that was a lot in one day because we like you said, we fished for grailing and we floated. So the grailing trip took up half the day. Then we had to hike in did that caught a bunch of grayling and then we walked back out and then we put the boat in and then we floated the float. So like, that was a that was a big day. And then I believe I dropped you off the next morning at the airport. And then I had to go guide after that. Yep.
0: You had a guide. You drove up, went guiding. And then I got dropped off. I went home. I brought all my stuff cleaned up Sunday night. I got ready and I went and guided Monday afternoon on a, a triple boat or float trip, so that was a that was a lot for both of us. Right in between, the you know, we we jam packed this trip uh mm-hmm. in there. We we're like, we were planning it. I think March, and I was like, what week week is gonna work? And Kyle's like, well, I got a guide. This this this, and I was like, and you, what did you have like a wedding or something down here too? Your dad's oh, yeah. wedding, dad's
1: wedding in July, early July. Yeah.
0: So you, we had to f- kind of find a, a day and we just packed it in there and we went for it, you know, between, because I was on, going on summer break, your dad's wedding. Then we just went for it. And I would say we, we got the most out of that for a, a DIY trip. I know you live up there, but we really went off the, besides the willow, like a lot of the stuff we were just figuring it out as
1: We went. <laughs> yep. Um, th- I, I usually don't get to do that much stuff if I am, you know, guiding all summer. So going and fishing the Russian, fishing some of these other places, I don't normally get to do that. So we were, I was trying to figure stuff out because I'm i normally guiding that time of year. So, yeah, it was it was super fun. And yeah, just the best kickstart this summer we could have because from then on, it was just bang, 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 trip after trip, you know, guide trips, fun trips everything after that
0: Um, well we had our guide season we stayed busy through our guide season and then we hit fall and we started talking about podcasting but between in the fall between us you know going out hunting um that was an insane so now we're kind of rounding into the fall and and getting here
1: Mm i i do want to say too one of my other highlights that emily and i always do because it always falls around our anniversary is dip netting and we go out and and we do a lot of dip netting um this year we went down to the Casiloff, made a trip out of that and then we also did um uh fish creek which we've done in the past and emily and emily Emily and i really enjoy dip netting and i'm if you guys will follow us on instagram you see is literally getting these big ass nets and sticking them in the water when you wait for these usually it's sockeye waiting for these sockeye to swim into them and you're literally pulling these things in and it's it's super fun um that was kind of my other most major trip of the summer and going out ocean fishing I do that every year with Shane and his group and caught a bunch of ocean fish rockfish salmon halibut um Emily and I kind of recapped that one on episode two as we were driving back but yeah once it got into the end of the guide season and we started hunting I mean you have a you have a multi-season deer tag right
0: yeah I've been I, I tried something new this year. I tried this uh this like tree farm permit and so I was like, well, I got the tree farm permit and I'm about at multi season, you know, draw time I've been putting in for it. And so I finally got selected for it. And uh I did some pre scouting prior to elk season. I was up there and uh the first time I went up there, I watched like six, you know, it, it's any buck up there. Um, so I watched like six two by twos. There was a three by three, pretty nice bucks come up when we were driving down this road. They all came out of this, this kind of goalie and up the hill and over and then up into this. Um, they just clear cutted it. So they, they come up over right in front of the truck. We went down the road and we flipped around and then you can look down on this lower clear cut. And as we flipped around, we get out, we're glass and we're just kind of scouting these deer and they start to walk off well then i drive up a little further and i look down at the lower clear cut. i watched just two giant bull elk and i was like oh this is looking this is looking pretty solid like a good choice um they ended up dropping down and later on we f- we went down into this ravine and it ended up being like a canyon that drops down and it was thick as shit down in there um we I'll kind of get into that a little bit here but as we're watching the bull elk drop over, we watched another like four by four uh, blacktail buck stand up, look right at us and just take off walking. So uh, about two weeks later, we took some time off when elk hunting, um, we were going to hunt four days. Uh, we hunted three days really hard. Uh, I think I put in just like three days, I put, I want to say like five to 600 miles on my truck, driving around and getting out and walking down into uh, clear cuts because this was my first real season of hunting Western Washington elk. Um, I grew up hunting Eastern Washington elk. I haven't had success. Um, the year I started hunting Eastern Washington elk, the, that year they all got pushed to one end of the unit into this guy's f- like farming fields uh, because they have uh, a herd of wolves move in and then a bunch of other predators. There was a big problem down there. So I was like, ah, I'm going to mix it up this year. Tried Western Washington elk. And then I, when I was out there, we hunted pretty hard. We got out, we went down, we tried bugling. I think it was kind of a little bit early uh, for the rut on this side, but uh, it was a it was a fun time, a learning experience. I didn't have success this year. Um, we we hunted three days getting in there, and then on the we were going up the fourth day, and when we were going up the the highway, they had a huge uh, rollover accident on the on the freeway and so the semi-truck blocked our path on the freeway there and so we're like dang so let's take the side road and we'll cut up and go you know go up and it was pouring rain that morning and we come off the freeway and we come around and someone had got in a spinning accident and it's a two-lane road and so they spun their car out and ended up hitting someone else so that road got blocked so we just turned around and went and got (laughs) breakfast and went home because they're like seen very much those three days i mean there were signs there was like um big elk you know elk prints in the ground and sign of elk around but it's not like eastern washington where you can look out on a hillside and and see elk you know you're looking in to these thick um you you can you can look in the, the clear cuts and if they're there you'll see them but other than that you can only see like 10 15 yards into some of these areas because tree and brush is so so thick so you get out walking you only can see so far and then uh after a few days up there we're talking to people and apparently there's some giant cougars up there so i mean it makes sense why they're not gonna be screaming too much and and making noises but you know, it's a learning experience. I think I kind of got an idea if I do it again next year on how I'm going to do it and put a little more time into the scouting side of it. I think you got to be up there and, and and scout it out and kind of figure out where they're going to be. But that was, that was an experience. And then I had a multi-season tag. So I was hunting deer in between and we were coming down, uh, right before elk season, we went up the weekend to scout too, but I brought my bow because I could hunt. Uh, Blacktail, and so we're driving around, and then it's a nice day, and then the rain moves in, and when the rain moved in, all these blacktail started coming out onto the road systems, and right near the roads, and it it was coming down to it. There's probably 30 minutes left in the day, and as I'm coming down the road, I I we we saw like 10 does before that. No no bucks. And I was like, well, I know there's bucks because, you know, a week or two before I watched all those bucks down in the clear cuts and uh, I come around this corner and I just see antlers just sticking out. This guy was just getting ready to cross the road and my timing (laughs) was not the best. So I pull over and I see him kind of getting ready to cut. I grab my bow and I start going up the hill. But like I said, once you once they make that turn and they start heading up into that thick forest, it's It's really thick and, uh, they're smart. There, there's a reason they're called the ghosts, you know, of the Pacific Northwest and they can get right up next to trees and lay down and look, they could be looking right at you, but you know, the colors and how everything lays out in there, you just couldn't see it. But so I learned a lot there. We we hunted hard. We did a rifle season later on, uh, bluebird days. We only had two days to hunt deer. Um, and we were talking to other people up there and they had the same, you know, luck as me that year. They hadn't really seen much deer. And the guy was, uh, that I was talking to was like, yeah, I usually see like 10, you know, 12 deer by now that I, you know, I can pass up on spikes or, or smaller bucks. And usually I can pick out, showed me his deer. He harvested last year and he got a nice little three, but you know, not little, but a three by three. And, uh, his wife ended up shooting a spike and then, Uh, we ended up, he's like, this year has been kind of crummy. I haven't really seen a whole lot of deer. And he's like, I've been putting on the miles. I'm driving around. I'm looking at clear cuts and he's like, they're just, they're just not out here. And so that was a little discouraging, but, um, I didn't end up getting a deer during that season. And now we're kind of getting into like right now is the late season. So I'm going to try to get up there another weekend or two and see if I can end up finding a deer to shoot with my bow but it's kind of a last resort and uh it, it was it's been a tough season i mean that's the the way hunting goes i think uh i think it, it it can't always be successful right and it's just you want it to be and you you put in the miles and you put in the time but it doesn't always go the way you want it to and it, it's a little discouraging but you just got to keep at it especially on the west side so that's that's what i've learned and uh but I enjoy doing it besides I this. This is probably like a comment everyone makes that they don't when they don't get deer and elk. But it, it's awesome being out in the woods and just, you know, you get to see sunrises over over the mountains. You get to see. I mean, we watch tons of grouse. I almost the last day of uh, elk hunting, I was going to shoot a grouse with my bow. But it I can it's just like I nothing lined up for me. I, I went full draw on this grouse. I was just about to shoot it and it just went right off the tree. And I was like, ah, so, and it really lined up, but we went out and uh, had a pretty successful goose hunt November with the guys. So that was pretty fun. We, we did a guide service and um, it was, it was awesome. We, uh, we, it, it, I've done a few trips and it's kind of, they can be hit or miss because those geese are, Uh, they they pick and choose, but when you get them coming in, it's fun. They're big birds. They come sitting right in. They're honking right over the top of you. When that guide says take them, they're they're not like ducks. They take a little bit to get up, and you can put the hammer on them. So that was a good time. Ten of us went out. We ended up shooting 19 geese, and they're good. We made pepperoni with the ones last year, and this year I think I'm going to try some other stuff, but – Kyle was telling me that to grind them up and use them in like spaghetti. He said, they're pretty good. So I might have to give that a try, but how about you, Kyle? That was kind of a lot of, of me there. Um, but yeah, hopefully I find some success in this late season.
1: Yeah, no, i I hope you do too. And, um, you no know, hunting black tails, really hunting deer for the first time in the rut, um, a week ago, um, uh, was really cool. Um, so I hope, I hope you can get on some late season rut action. Cause I mean, hunting anything in the rut is fun. Like when we're hunting moose, that's in the rut up here. Um, I know I've hunted turkeys in the rut before, I've, you know, obviously hunting elk in the rut during early season, but I've never hunted deer. Um, so that, that's a new experience. And I, I, I hope that you are able to find some success with that. Um, calling them in and yeah, you know, bucks being really dumb um but when it comes to 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 your goose grind it up i think would be good because i i have had just straight goose before goose grind i can't remember what i ate with goose grind i made something but I because i grinded the goose up with some duck and it was really good except the duck that i grinded it with kind of messed it up but Next time I shoot a goose, I will definitely be grinding it and making that uh, like spaghetti or tacos out of it. It's a, it's a really good flavor, and it's a lot of meat too. Um, yeah. But um, while I was on that deer hunting trip, we shot a, a teal one day. It was just a nasty weather day. I shot out a lot of ducks, and the weather the wind was blowing so hard the ducks would fly like over my head, and they would just hover. Uh-huh. Like, it was blowing so hard they would just like sit above me. And so I'd be shooting at them and you know, leading them a little bit, or really not even to lead them, but it was blowing so hard, it was blowing my shot away from the duck. And so I, these these mallards would be floating like 30, 40 yards above me. And I'd be shooting and like, how am I not hitting these things? But that wind was blowing so hard at my back, it was just pushing my shot, I wasn't even getting to the duck. But I ended up shooting That's- one. For you. Just, just a, you know, just a little hen green wing, and green wings are supposed to be the best eating, like, you know, like puddle ducks. And so I took it back to our cabin, and I flayed it open. I did, I didn't like, I didn't like take the skin off. I, I just cut the breast with the skin and fat on, plucked it, ripped out yeah. the eggs, cooked those um, bone in. I singed all the feathers off of the breast meat that was on the skin, and we had a pro, uh, a kerosene stove, and there was a bunch of pans and stuff in there literally threw that duck in each side. It's just super thick, like fat on it. Sliced it open. I don't know. Did I send you the photo of that Keaton?
0: I don't, I don't think so. Oh, send me some photos,
1: but these things, it was like, like super, super duper rare. Oh, it was the best duck I'd ever eaten. I'm so I'm going to cook my duck from now on. It's just, it was like eating a stick of butter.
0: Dude, I, I'm gonna piggyback off you real quick because we're talking about the the fat, right? Look at oh, that. yeah, that looks that looks good. It's
1: a little bit of steak seasoning. Oh, so good.
0: We we were um, when we were out goose hunting, right? We shot some some geese and we took them back and we we're cleaning them. And so me and Keegan are cleaning them out in the driveway, and we're looking at this fat. And I was like, huh, I wonder if you can render this goose fat down and use it. And so we ended up rendering some of it down and just putting it on some toast. And it actually was like really good tasting. Really? Um, yeah. I was like, man, I'm going to start rendering like goose fat down or duck fat. Cause it was just, it's an awesome way to cook with. And it's like, it's pretty much cooking oil, right? There's not a lot of game flavor to it or anything. It was, it was awesome. I was like, what, a, that's a, just another way that you can add on and use, you know, your, uh, your, your, your animals that you harvest. So we, we did that. And I was like, man, I bet if you render down the fat and then cooked the goose or the duck in the, the duck fat, I bet it'd
1: be awesome. No, totally. Totally. <clears throat> when, um, so I, I've been a part of, uh, I was part of a, a moose harvest and then this last, uh, this last deer hunt. And, um, Emily one of Emily's friends she has a tallow business and so Mm -hmm. uh, we've been taking the tallow like from that moose and I took all the tallow from my deer trimmings and I brought it to her and she's going to render that down and she usually makes know like lips or chapsticks or salves and stuff and obviously she can't sell the moose tallow or the deer tallow but she can kind of play around with it and I'm going to have her make me something out of the deer tallow once she renders it down but um, that is a way to use it like use up as much of it as possible um, on one of the deer that we shot, we took the uh, was it the cull fat? Have you seen that before? Like Steve sure. talks about it. It's like the it's the uh, that really lacy fat around the intestines of a deer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, we, like a netty, yeah, yep. Yeah, we took that from one of the deer, we didn't end up eating it. I don't know what Kyle did with it but we were going to wrap the heart with it and cook it and see what that tasted like.
0: Oh, that'd be good.
1: Yeah. But I don't know how that, I'll have to ask him what he ever did with it. But I did keep, because from the two deer that I brought home, I kept them bone in. And so I kept all of the leg bones and I'm, I, I froze some of them and um, Emily and I are going to make our own bone broth out of them. Nice. We're going to try, um, you know, there's a bunch of different recipes, but usually people like, bake them in the oven for several hours with like uh, potatoes or or, excuse me, onions or carrots and celery. And then they take them out from that and then they soak them in um, like a big pot and they just let it kind of sit in the pot for a while. And then they, Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. You just boil it in the pot, but um, yeah, super cool. Um, Just a good way to, yeah, make soup, make bone broth. This is a super cool way to use up. A, a, oh, a bunch of the, uh, um, as much of the animal as possible. So,
0: yeah, that's what we, you know, that's the nice thing about putting your hands in the process is that you get to choose what you do with a lot of it. And I always like to try to use as much as I can. Like I, this, this last goose trip, I, I took one of the, uh, the goose feet cause they're pretty big and they're cool looking and I'm trying to dry one out. So I, you know, a little backyard taxidermy. Hopefully it turns out all right. Um, but I'm excited to see how that turns out. But uh, the, me and Kyle, we talk about different ways we can, you know, preserve stuff or or try different things. Or, hey, have you tried this or I tried that? And I, I really like that about our conversations. Another reason why we started this podcast, right, Kyle?
1: Absolutely. Uh, tonight, I was actually looking up another way to cook deer. And I'm going to make their uh, venison egg roll in a bowl. So it's basically a disassembled egg roll, but with venison. So I'm going to try that tonight.
0: That'll be good. Hopefully, yeah. it turns out good. Don't want to get too much into this conversation because I know
1: you're saving some stuff, but yeah, yeah. that should end up pretty good. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'd like to, I, I want to dive more in and we will hear uh, in a little bit, but I'm kind of, kind of saving some of that. But, um, Besides that, hunting wise, in September, I took uh, five days, I think, for a moose hunt. Off it was the last like five days of the season, or right around the last five days of the season. Um, and you know, Kyle, I went with Kyle again on that, and we released some episodes. You guys can listen to those uh, while we were on the hunt. You know, super cool float trip. It was a, a road access to road access but i mean you could get out there and you felt like you were a ways away but you know you could still hear the highway you could hear trains you could hear you know boats and stuff but it was nice to go on that hunt you know close encounter with a brown bear you know floating and camping every night and then you know ultimately calling that bull in the last night of the hunt not not being able to know if he was legal or not you know looking back and looking at moose since then and antler configure it. He might've been legal. It was just, it was too close to tell. Um, mm. so I'm glad we didn't shoot it. And ultimately I'm glad we didn't shoot it. Cause if we had, we probably wouldn't have gone on this deer hunt that we just went on. Um, I would have had enough meat yeah. in the freezer. I wouldn't have been like, Hey, let's go on this deer hunt. So in a way I'm glad that that didn't happen because now we're able to, you know, I had an, another really cool experience and we got a different type of meat in the freezer. So, um,
0: although i will say that that moose meat is phenomenal
1: yes yes it is hard to beat the a moose and you get 600 to 700 pounds of it depending on you know the size of the moose you shoot so um,
0: i still got a piece of that backstrap i'm waiting to smoke up you're gonna see how that turns out we had some camping so kyle hooked me up with some when i came back from alaska and I some backstrap and I took it out camping when I went crabbing this, this summer. That was another thing that I did. Sorry to interrupt you mid story, but we cooked it on uh on a flat iron with some butter. And I did it like medium rare and everyone that even people that didn't like eating wild game were like, this is like phenomenal. This is like a grade a piece of beef. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: No, it's, it's super good. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um. I, I was able to put some moose in my freezer. Um, well, it would have been November. There was a, a special draw hunt close to town. It was a shotgun only hunt and a, a guy from church got drawn for it. He had texted me like, Hey, I'm thinking I'm gonna go on this hunt. Are you going to be available? You know, if 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 I harvest a moose and I was like, yeah. And the day came, He's was like, yeah, I'm going to go out today. Well, if I shoot a moose, are you be available to come, you know, help pack out and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he called me a half hour after i got home from work said hey shot a moose i called kyle kyle and I, emily and i drove up met uh met him with and his son his son was able to be there it was an antlerless moose hunt he shot this thing with his shotgun at like 20 yards and uh, with a slug yeah and uh, you know we hiked in in the dark at this point and uh that person had never never harvested an animal like that before and, you know, they didn't know how to really clean an animal. And uh, Kyle and I hopped in there. Kyle and I and Emily have cleaned animals. And we started going to town on this moose. And we got this whole moose done probably an hour and a half, two hours, um, going in gutless and, uh, you know, got a bunch of meat off this thing. And um, luckily, you know, there's there like five or six of us there. And then we had a whole other group of five or six guys coming in to help pack. So, um, you know, again, all in the dark. And uh, ended up, Kyle took a full quarter bone in, front quarter bone in. I took a rear quarter bone in from this cow. And then Emily took a bunch of scraps and we hiked. We were the first people out. And, um, you know, I have packed moose before. And and this this cow was definitely not as big as like the bulls that Shane and I shot last year. Um, but yes. I was, that quarter was still an easy, you know, 90 to 110 pounds somewhere in there. Like, like it was a lot of weight. And, uh, being able to do that and pack it out, I think, I think it ended up being a little over a mile and a half. It was all on a good trail, but we did have some uphill, um, being able to do that and knowing that I could pack that out of my back. I was like, okay, if I can do this, I can do. it was like, yes, I can do this and not have an issue. I can, I can do a lot of, you know, heavy, uh, hiking and not have too much to worry about. So, um, we were able to be a part of that. We took home, you know, th- that night we got all the meat back to his place at like midnight. And then the next day we went back to his house and help him like cut it up and wrap it. And I think we took like 20 pounds. It ended up being 20 pounds of meat, of moose meat back from that cow and grind it. And uh, we haven't eaten any of that moose, but we still have probably 30 pounds, I would say, for my bowl, Got 20 pounds from that moose. And then uh, I was able to... Um, yeah, put two deer in the freezer. So we got a bunch of meat from that. Probably another, I don't know, probably another 70 to 80 pounds between the two. So we've got a lot of red meat. And then I, I got another buggy, uh, that you and I know, Keaton, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you afterwards, but he's got a, a special hunt tag and I'm going to, if he harvests one, I might go help him pack that out too. And maybe snag like another 10 pounds of meat. That's cool. So, um, yeah put a lot of meat in the freezer i was gonna i was going somewhere with that and i can't can't remember where i was going but um yeah an opportunity to be oh i was was gonna like that moose quarter was pretty heavy right bone in that was one quarter it weighed less on one of the deer that i shot the last deer i packed it all out whole so all four quarters bone in back strap tenderloins rib meat neck meat the head uh and the heart i packed all of that out in one load and it weighed less than the rear quarter from a cow moose
0: crazy that's that's crazy
1: yeah that was like i was like this is this is easier than packing out a moose and this is the whole deer I'm like i put that thing on I'm like lightweight lightweight and i freaking roll uh, I'm, I'm sure you've had that where you like you, you sit down basically when you, you sit down on the ground and you slide into your pack, right? And then yeah. you strap on, and then you, you like you do quickly roll over to your stomach on all fours and then you push up on all fours and stand up. Like that's the only way to do it. Just because <laughs> the pack is so heavy.
0: You don't just you don't just pick it up I and mean, throw it on your backpack and just walk off.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, I will say one thing that I think really helps attribute to like being in good shape is um I, i'm part of the the mountain tough uh workouts I, I i'm part i joined their their subscription and um they have like specific workouts tailored to like hiking backpacking firefighting military and um it's like a cross like between it's, it's kind of like crossfit basically um but you know they got video workouts every day like this is what you do this day this is what you do this day and um the the workouts are tailored to um you know working out specific muscles and your tendons and flexibility and cardio you're doing you're doing high reps at low weight and uh, i can feel a difference in how much that's helped me this year and being able to hike a long ways pack out heavy weights you know just being more flexible in the back country and and and, uh yeah that's been super helpful um that's awesome yeah trying to think yeah being in I mean shape helps out
0: a lot yeah <laughs> when you're like prepping and like going on hikes you know like a, a lot of people throw on a pack put some weight in and go walking you think it think it sounds goofy but it does help you out when you're carrying all your stuff you know i know i i'm like an over preparer so I, i'll throw a lot of stuff in my pack just to be like prepped and ready to go just in case something happens i know some people like to pack light but i'm just like if there's a couple of us out here you gotta have some necessities in your backpack and so just having that and then if you harvest something you got to carry that out plus what you harvested so it takes a little bit but yeah it's worth it doing that extra bit yeah for sure for sure where were you going with it kyle you're saying something
1: yeah, I don't. I don't. Other than that, I don't really think I had any other like major hunting trips come up. Um, went out duck hunting a couple times. with People, nothing, I mean, killed a few ducks. I, I, I didn't shoot many ducks. The one time I went out with with other guys, they shot ducks and I didn't, I didn't even pull a trigger. And then, uh, once by myself, didn't never had an opportunity at a duck. And then, um, did some duck hunting on this recent trip and shot a couple ducks. Um, yeah, other than that did some, uh, bear hunting, just quick trips with Emily after, you know, on the weekend, um, put some stocks on some bears that never really panned out. I did, um, I did pass my archery certification course up here. So now I'm a a certified bow hunter in Alaska. Um, and really, all that does is it allows you to hunt um, in in uh, certain areas that are archery hunting only. So there's there's a few areas in the state, usually you know around easy to access areas or close to um, large populations. So having this certification now allows me to hunt in those areas. Um, it allows me to apply for special permits that are archery only, and it just allows me to have a little more flexibility in, um, where and what and when I can hunt. So, um, I passed that this fall and and hope to use that in the future. Um, yeah, just super looking forward to being able to archery hunt up here. I definitely need to upgrade my bow before I do a ton of hunting. I mean, I, I can, I can pull back an, the, a proper amount of weight to hunt most of these animals. Um, I just want to upgrade. I been shooting the same bow since I was 12 and it, it's killed animals for me, but I'd still like to, you know, upgrade and pull back a little bit more weight. If I can shoot a little bit heavier arrow and just really work on my shooting in general. So like to do that um, kind of on that topic, I've also been in, in the market for a new rifle. Um, I've been hunting with a thirty six up here. I do have uh, a forty five seventy as well that I, I hope to use next year, but i'm 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 in the market for another 30 caliber rifle um you know i've I was kind of leaning towards a three hundred wind mag or maybe a three thirty eight three hundred rum um but i've I've kind of gotten back you know I, I want I've seen what <laughs> a three hundred wind mag will do to a deer. And I mean, it's the same exact size bullet as a 30.6, but with that wind mag or just any magnum, you're, it's got a lot more powder. So um, I'm now leaning more towards another 30.6. Uh, I'm shooting my dad's original Remington 700 from the probably must have been the mid to late 70s. Same stock, same barrel, same scope. Um, but the problem in Alaska is it's a, a wood, it's a wood stock and it's a blued barrel and both of those things are a terrible combination for alaska because you get a lot of rain and you beat the shit out of your gear so i'm having a really hard time keeping that rust free and then the stock is just beat to shit so i need to get some and it's heavy so i need to get a stainless steel synthetic rifle and that's what i'm in the market for right now and um, Emily's grandpa is a big gun gun geek, so I've got him, you know, looking at different guns, and I'm um, I'm really leaning towards that 30.6 um, with a stainless steel barrel and a uh, synthetic stock. It can have a break; it doesn't necessarily need a break because it's only a 30-06. Um And then putting a nice scope on it, you know, I I was in the market for like a, a scope that really zoomed in. I was really trying to get into like long range stuff, but the more i hunt up here the more i realize that the furthest i've ever had an opportunity in an animals like 200 yards so there's really no reason to shoot long distance if most of my my shots are going to be under like 200 250 yards so yeah I'm, and that's what a 300 wind mag would be good for with a full-length barrel you could reach out there a long ways but i'm really not hunting habitat that would be conducive to that so yeah, looking at that 30.6. I'm 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 really leaning towards the Tika T3 uh X light. I believe it's like it's a super light gun. And then putting on I've got a, a a Vortex diamondback scope that Emily's grandpa gave me. I think it's a it's either a four to twelve or a three to twelve, something like that. So that's all you would need. Put a good set of scope rings on there. And I've got a good bullet that I like. That was another thing I was playing around with this year as I'm shooting that Hornady CX bullet. Uh, did I send you a picture of the bullet or did you see the photo of the bullet?
0: Uh, yeah. The one that went through the, in the meat.
1: Yep. Yep. So I was shooting an all copper bullet. Um, you know, I, I wanted that better penetration, better, uh, retention. And, uh, the first animal I shot with it, one of these deer, um, quartering away, went in, you know, clipped the hind quarter, went all the way through the cavity and got stuck in the front quarter on the opposite side, broke that bone and then got lodged in, in just inside the hide. And I cut that thing out. And that 180 grain bullet was almost hundred percent intact. I mean, it peeled back, it was mushroomed, but it didn't lose any petals. It didn't lose anything. It was almost a completely full bullet. And uh, I was super, Dude. super happy with that. That's what it's like. And then <clears throat> on, on the second deer, um, one of the shots was like the shot that put it down was like facing me, put it right on his throat patch, went in, in and out. And I thought I had missed the deer because we walked up to him. Like, where is my bullet hole? And I didn't realize it until I tipped the deer forward for a photo and blood just started coming out the neck. Cause there was literally an entrance wound, like the size of a pencil. And then the exit wound behind the ribs was like the exact same size. It was like t- just poking a hole through it. So Uh, It didn't have necessarily the devastation as I saw on Kyle's 300 wind mag, which again, that's going faster. It's got a lot more powder, but he was also shooting a bonded bullet. And that's more designed to like basically hit an animal and then like, like explode on impact, basically like hit it and then shrapnel. And it was more of that shock, initial shock of hitting an animal and just like putting a big old exit and entrance hole in um I, I i saw what that could do and i was very surprised at what that could do as well so uh, I, I really like the bullet that i'm shooting now with my 30.6 if i can get another one that shoots that exact same bullet the same way that my current 30.6 does i'm gonna stick with it um i'm i'm all about penetration but <clears throat> you know those two those two deer didn't go more than 20 yards but it's like as good as that would be to get that kind of penetration on, say, a bear or a moose, I do see the benefits of shooting a bonded bullet, too, to have that shock to help bring that animal down fast. So it's like, do you want penetration or do you want that shock from the bullet hitting the animal? It's kind of a... Yeah. Either way. Because, I mean, coming out of a 300 wind mag versus coming out of 306 is the exact same bullet. It's just going at a different speed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just whatever's it's i think it also kind of varies on like what you're hunting and then you know how to make that ethical shot to make sure that you know the the animal doesn't suffer you harvest your meat you get it quickly it goes down because i never want to shoot something and it's suffering that's like the worst so it's it's a it's kind of same with like uh bow and arrows right like some people like to shoot fast and light and they get speed but like me I shoot a heavy arrow because I just want, I want penetration. I want something that if it's going to hit, it's like, it's going to go right. I want that to be dropping the animal, not letting that animal suffer.
1: Yep. And I'm kind of in a light and speed light and fast right now for my bow. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily on purpose, but just because that's the bow that I grew up shooting and I'm still shooting the, almost the exact same setup that I was when I was 12 and um you know i hit a shoulder blade on a bull a bull elk one time at eight yards and i got two inches of penetration now if i'd been shooting a heavier bow with a heavier you know foc and a heavier broadhead heavier spine i might have punched all the way through that shoulder blade at eight yards who knows so yeah i definitely definitely like that idea um yeah um i wouldn't if I was just hunting deer, like the one guy that flew up and hunted with us, he had a 243. and that he, we, they called a deer under 20 yards and shot that thing broadside. And obviously that deer ran 20 yards and died. Um, but the reason that we had we we're hunting deer with 30 caliber rifles, which I mean, people do that all the time, right? People do that all across the country, very popular round. Um, I would have taken probably my 243 or 25-06 on this hunt. Um, if there wasn't a possibility of seeing a brown bear. Now we didn't see a brown bear, but I did have a brown bear tag. So if I had had an opportunity, I would have shot one. If it had been you know a, a boar or a lone sow and it was a, a you know a, a decent sized bear I would have shot it. and that's when I want to have that 30 caliber bullet. Again never saw one. So I never have the opportunity, but it's nice to have a thirty caliber bullet, no matter what you're doing in Alaska, because you never know when you're going to need to use it, right? Bear, yeah. moose, whatever. It, it's good to have uh, a heavy, a heavy bullet to, you know, get shit done.
0: Not, not all the animals in Alaska are the size of an island blacktail deer. You know, like a yeah. moose is. <laughs> you're not shooting a two-two-three out a moose or. Or, you know, a 243, not a 223. But yeah, you're yeah. not shooting those smaller calibers at a moose or a bear.
1: I mean, and people do it. I know that people can you could shoot a moose to 243 when Kyle and I called that bull into 30 yards. You could have probably shot that with a 243, 90 grain bullet. And at 30 yards, is, if you hit that thing good, it's not going to go very far. Yeah. Might not get through and through penetration, but you could. Definitely kill that moose at 30 yards with the 243. So um, pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah, it's all about shot placement and good bullet design. Obviously, I, I wouldn't I, I will never hunt anything in Alaska with a Remington Corlock. Um you know, I shot my moose with what was it a federal power shock, but again, 30 six at, at 20, 30 yards, it's not it's not gonna be too much of an issue. But if I am having to shoot something further, like shoot a moose or you know a bear further away, there's no way I'm shooting a soft lead bullet ever again. So it's either yeah. some kind of like bonded bullet or um, a higher quality bonded bullet or a higher quality copper bullet. Um, yeah, but I'm um, play around with it a little bit more, trying to get some loads dialed in for the the rifles that I have and and play around with that. So. I'm just kind of rambling. That's just kind of been what in my head has been, you know, picking up a new gun, figuring out new loads. Uh, I haven't really talked to you much about this yet, but I, I I do want to do some hunting back in Washington some more. Um, and neck, I don't necessarily want to put in for special permits because it's so expensive as a non-resident, but there is that big game raffle in, in, that uh, Fish and Wildlife does in Washington. And I think if I'm going to go back and hunt, that's my best bet because they're very generous seasons. It's very cheap to apply. I don't know if you've ever applied to that, Keaton.
0: But... Yeah, you're like they, it's your best option besides the draw to get a you know to get drawn for a moose. It's not like a it's a everyone puts in and you you have the same chances as everyone else.
1: Yeah, and you can buy as many as you want, like as many raffles as you want. And you don't even have to buy a license from what I understand. You don't have to buy a license. And once, you, if you do get drawn for that tag, you don't even have to pay for your license or your tag. So as a non-resident that saves me a ton of money. And especially, you know, I'm not going to come to Washington, Washington to hunt in September because that's moose season. I'm not going to come in. in if, if I came to Washington it'd be like October or November, and there's not a lot going on up here. So well, those are generous seasons, some of them, you know, are multiple species that you can hunt. And it's like an any bull tag or an any buck tag or an any ram tag or any goat tag, any moose. So um it would be it would be cool to have that opportunity and just you know buy a few raffle tickets and if I were to get drawn, fly down and and hunt something right. in ten days or whatever. You know, I-
0: I've got a, I got the moose on my radar and I got, I'm waiting for a ram. I'm, I really want to harvest a ram. I think that'd be such a cool experience. So if I get drawn for it, it's a once in a lifetime. So you better plan to fly down and come hunt that with
1: me. Oh, hundred percent. I'd be down there, you know, obviously dual, I would try to get down and scout with you too, if I could. Um, and then I would pretty much take off the whole season that I can to hunt with you and, you know help you shoot a moose or a ram or a goat or whatever or if you get drawn for your awesome. elk tag I'd love to come down and help you hunt. I, I love to be a part of people's hunts. Um this upcoming spring I'm Kyle got drawn for the Kodiak brown bear tag and so as soon as I heard you he got drawn I I I asked if I could go along. Um you know it's it's an investment especially for a guy that not, not doesn't even isn't even going to really you know, pull a trigger. Um or in harvest an animal, I'm, I'm just going for the experience. And so I try to invite myself as much as I can on those kind of trips because you never know, you never know what you're going to experience. And just one thing I've learned about these trips that I've been going on lately is, you know, every trip I go on, I learn a little bit more about myself and adventures in Alaska and I get to put myself to the test physically, mentally, um, yeah it's, it's it's just it's really good to put myself in those situations so I'd love to be able to be a part of that for you
0: you learn learn about it right so you know maybe not now but maybe in five ten years you might get drawn for it and you're like hey I've, I've been here I kind of know a little bit of the landscape I've got these marks on my onyx and I know what I need to do to mm-hmm. be successful and so yeah that's part of the game and you get to learn from people's mistakes right you're like oh they they tried to do this draw this way but I should have gone through the draw this way because it you know it doesn't push animals or however it works out so yeah I think that's a really smart choice and that's why I'm on a lot of these hunting pages because people post about like you know about their experiences going out hunting and trying this and I, one thing I've noticed—I don't know if you've noticed—but have you you seen the people that got drawn for the bull moose tags this year are having a really hard time finding bull moose? Like, one guy shot a not like a small a smaller one, but uh, he's that was like the first one I've seen, and these guys have been hunting for like a month. I feel bad for him because that's that's a hard tag to draw, and then not having a lot of
1: success, so a little rough. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally, it's uh, it'd be it would be devastating to you know to wait 40 years or whatever to get drawn and then you don't know, shoot something because there wasn't yeah. anything had to shoot. Um, yeah. it's one thing if you don't hunt or you don't put effort in, but if you're hunting non stop and you just don't see you know anything or a bull that's worth taking, it's just it, it'd be it'd be really devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, Keaton what are your thoughts on coming up here and hanging in Alaska in the next couple of years?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think with this new job, it's uh, I, my first year is kind of, you know, I only got so much time, but you know, once I get, a, if I get established and if I keep working on this job and uh, get myself set up, I think that's something that's going to be doable, you know, take a, a few days off and come up and, you know, float or fly in somewhere. I think I'd love to, see how that experience turned out um i've been looking at that too because like i mean take it how it is but washington's getting pretty tough to hunt in uh i think our access is getting more limited i mean there was the place that i harvested a deer we did a podcast with uh, michael farns i went back to go hunt that spot it was all blocked off they like blocked the access to that and i was like damn that that's just an three or four years you know what what is going to look like in 10 years or you know our public land i feel like i see more and more land getting sold off but kind of kind of rough so and then you got people you know there's counties here that you gotta have private access to be able to harvest an animal or or whatever but yeah, I've definitely been looking into doing some other stuff and getting out of state and trying it, but it's it's expensive. You got to have the money to do it. So, but I'm excited. I am gonna look into you know I'd love to come up and and harvest an animal with you up in Alaska. Me and Kyle, we fish together, but we've never hunted together. Like we've said in the past, our friendship's kind of weird. Uh, like we were we are buddies, but we weren't like super close. And the second you moved to Alaska everything clicked and connected and we just became really good pals. So yeah, I look forward to see what the future holds with us, Kyle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I'd love to get you up here. And you know, that's one thing about having a contact up here, like having friends and a place to stay It's like, it makes it a hell of a lot easier than if you were to like just DIY it. Didn't know anybody didn't have access to a vehicle. You had to plan everything. Um, it's it's it, it it definitely has its advantages to either one live here or two have somebody that that lives here and you know knows has some connections and stuff. So, um, I could definitely, I could pretty much get us and figure out a way to get us anywhere in the state. I've been I've been talking, I'll talk to you off the air, but I've been talking to some people recently about some so honestly, pretty easy DIY trips that we could do um in the next year. So, um, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I'd love to. One thing I think would be cool is uh is go do an antelope hunt together. I really want to go to like uh kind of the Midwest or I guess more like the Rockies area and and harvest an antelope. That seems like a lot of fun. So cool. and it tastes pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll have to talk about that. You know, one one thing that we talked about. I can't remember if we we're going to do it. This, I think we were going to try to do it this fall, but it didn't work out. Was pyramid.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep that under wraps until we get down there, but uh, we're definitely working on it and and hopefully figuring out. Did you see that? We got a message from our friend, and he's saying that anytime we wanted to come, just let him know. So we'll have to keep that in the back pocket. But yeah, we'll we'll talk a little more off the air about some stuff, and uh, I'm excited to see what you know these next year or two years leads to us and. Kyle and I are we're trying to find the time and put some puzzle pieces together uh, in this recipe, but we hope to see this podcast and this platform grow. Um, you know, we hope that we're we're giving you guys educational or, um, you know, information that you guys can learn from or take and, and you know buy a certain product or or learn from a certain person or learn from our mistakes. Um, I would not say that we're professional at anything we do, but we love to do it and we love to share our experiences. I mean, honestly, I just said, you know, like hunting, right. I've had a rough year, but Kyle's been having a lot of success and the, that's the the only way you get better is you're going out and trying it over and over again. So, um, that's been, been awesome. Um, but yeah, is there anything
1: else? I wouldn't say I've been having a lot of success. I'd say I've been having a really tough time hunting this year. I hunted a lot of days for most this year and had mm-hmm. one good opportunity for probably, you know, close to probably 20 hunts. Because a lot of nights I would go hunt after work, or I would, you know, have a day here to go hunt, or I would take that whole week off, and um, or go on bear hunting. I had a lot of hunts this fall that didn't happen and it was just the persistence and just keep going and going and going and then going further and doing more than what most people would do is when you start putting yourself in that situation. So like you said, you just got to put your time in and, and and you have to make those experiences happen. And even in Alaska where there are a lot of animals, there's not a moose behind every bush. There's not a bear behind every rock. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. so, um, Yeah. I I know it'll happen. Just the harder you work at it, the more you do it it goes for hunting, fishing, you know, family life, jobs, whatever. The more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. A hundred percent.
0: So, well, I think that we covered a lot of stuff today, Kyle. And I mean, I just wanted to add on kind of a little bit on our outro, just kind of get people looking into the, the near future, uh, I'm going to be putting on a few fly tying classes, some winter tying classes this year. Um, There's going to be a little cost to it because I'm trying to set it up to make it easier uh, for, for everyone, but uh, between fly tying classes, and then um, I'm going to be putting on maybe some intro or some uh, casting classes. I had some people reach out and ask if we could do something of that sort. So trying to plan that out and figure out like the cost and, and the, all the, uh things that need to go into that. So, uh when that comes up and I get some dates on the calendar, I'll start sharing and I'd love to see some people there um and just helping out with our uh our mission here would be awesome. So, you support us there, or you can help when you support us there, you also help support the podcast and and help our platform to grow. So,
1: totally. Um I also want to, you know, hit hit you guys with our partners you know um alaska rod co you're looking for um you know a new rod for somebody this winter for yourself for a family member you know hit up matt he's uh, if you guys have been keeping track of him he's got a new shop he's trying to get set up and um, crank out even more rocks he's got a pretty high demand so go check him out um you know Heather's choice right now. If you're listening this weekend, they're doing a 20% off site wide, and I'm sure there's going to be more stuff as you get closer to the holidays. Pick yourself up some packeroon, some meals, whatever. Go check them out. Um, Adriel over there at Slay Jays. You know I know that there's still some coho running, I believe, down there in Washington. So you know you want you some twitch chum right jigs? now too. You got chums. Go pick up some of those twitching jigs from Adrielle at Slay Jays and get out in the water with those. Um, you know Russ and everybody over there at NWTF South Sound Shredders they do all they do a lot to help us out i know Keaton just, just at their banquet recently um they help us put or help us the podcast but mainly Keaton put on the Cedar River cleanup every year um and they're always there to help out and and really just good friends so we you know we thank them um we have Shelly over there at Shell Art Studio you know making us awesome logos I, i'm sure you guys have seen some of that stuff that we've had um, her well, collaborate create for us, so um, huge shout out to her. And um, I miss anybody, Keaton? You got Slay J, you got Shells,
0: and then you got uh, Alaska Rodco, NWTF, and then Heather's Choice.
1: Yep, yep. And you know, there's That's a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of other cool brands, you know, that and people, you know, shout out the mayor. Whoop, whoop. Um, Mayor salsa, of, baby. Mayor salsa. Go check some once it's available. Go go check it out. But you know, there's a, there's a lot of, of other people. AWP, Alaska Wild Project boys. You know Jeff Lund at the On Step Alaska. Um, you know they share a lot of our stuff and and have us on their podcasts. Um, they collaborate a lot with us. Um, there's a lot of you know other people from local brands that I've been able to interact with up here. Um, you know, Ken over at South Central Beadco, super awesome guy. Um, there's just, there's a lot of, it's a cool community up here and just in the outdoors in general. I know Keaton's got a lot of connections down there and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of guides and outfitters. And yeah, super cool to be a part of that and to be on this platform to connect you guys um, in that way. So,
0: yeah. yeah. you got. I just want to also say you got Christmas and the holidays coming up. Um, bear paw river guides, I'm sure are gonna have uh um, certificate cert, I can't say it, certificates um so that you can get uh, Ellensburg Angler um if you're looking to do a trip with Kyle or not, Kyle or I. Um and then all the people that we just did. Um make sure to, you know, support you have a you know, someone that likes to fish, loves art or uh, loves conservation or, you know, these backpacking food, just the little things help these small business blossom. So, especially in this, this time of year and uh, with the holidays coming up, uh, you can get a NWTF um, lifetime membership, uh, help support Turkey, not just in our state, but also in all the states that have Turkey, um, you can get, uh, backpacking food. Like I mentioned, um, I mean, there, there's a list of things that you can get and just, just support, uh, if you can support anyone, support these businesses. So
1: for sure. Well, cool. I think we've been at this for almost two hours now, Keaton. So we should probably let these guys go and, you know, a good, uh, good recap yeah. of the season. Um, and, yeah, we'll start getting back onto our schedule, get you guys some good guests. Um, I will say, if you did not listen to the episode that Keaton and I did with Alaska Wild Project, I believe that was episode number uh, – let me pull them up here. Hold on a second. Alaska Wild Project. This would have come out in July. So let's see. Mm-hmm. That is episode number uh, 124 it came out July 16th. It's a three nymph day with Kyle and Keaton of the Young Guides podcast. About a three hour long episode that we did with those boys. You can also find that's, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find that on their YouTube too. If you want to see you know, the stuff that we're talking about on the computer screen or if you want to see the six spread that we made for those boys with the fresh salmon, um, you can watch that on YouTube and watch a whole podcast video. And then um, I also recently recorded an episode with Jeff Lund at On Step Alaska. Um, that episode was... Uh, episode 366 guiding trout and hunting moose uh, october 16th and uh it's about an hour that I, I chatted with jeff about um you know my recent moose hunt and then um, a good recap of the, the guide season so check those things out and um yeah like and subscribe write us in a single review really helps uh, get us out there and put us in the ears of other people so with that that's all i got keaton you got anything else
0: nope that being said this was another episode of the young Guys podcast we'll catch you on the next one